Nothing said on the hive mind is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our own opinions, not financial advice. All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Jose Macedo, and welcome to another episode of the Hive Mind Podcast. The goal of the podcast is to provide an inside look into what we like to call the Delphi Hive Mind, bringing together some of our brightest minds from each of the divisions to share insights, alpha, and shit posts. Today with us, we have Ceteris Paribus, newly promoted to head of research. Uh, congrats, Ceteris, on that. I think I'll have some words to say about it later. Um, we have Jan Lieberman, managing partner at Delphi Ventures, and we have Ventures Associate Duncan also known as Flood Capital on Twitter, prodigious shitcoin scavenger and investor. I lead Delphi Labs, our protocol R&D arm focused on incubating and accelerating new Web3 primitives. So it's been a hectic weekend in, in crypto. I think we wanted to start by talking about the, the Jupiter launch, but maybe before that, Ceteris, you want to say some words? I know research is, is, is hiring. <clears throat> yeah, so research is hiring right now, looking for uh, infra and DeFi analyst at least at least one of each so i have a tweet uh on my profile pinned to my profile that you can find on twitter we have a, a job link in there and really what i want is if you are interested in one of these roles just write something and like have an opinion about something the the one thing we really want when we're hiring is people who have opinions and can take a lot of information distill it down and <clears throat> kind of tell readers why it matters um and so that's what I'm looking for. I don't care about like your background or anything. <laughs> if you write something really good and you put it through and I read it and I, and I like it, that puts you in a good spot. So that's all I'll say. Um, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. We have got a lot of applicants so far, so that's good. Nice. Excited for your reign at the, at the head of research. And if anyone wants to join the best research team in crypto, this is a good good shot at doing it. So who, who wants to kick us off? Uh, you, you didn't mute for that, by the way. <clears throat> really loud. <laughs> but oh, I'm all good. I, I, I turn off my. <laughs> oh, I can't hear you guys anymore. <laughs> I thought you purposely just like unmuted and sneezed <laughs> and then muted again. <laughs> just you? like, sorry, guys. Just let me just. Yeah, what are we talking? We want to talk the outage first, Solon's outage or Jupe or what? Uh, I think let's go chronologically so we could start with Jupe maybe. Okay. Um, who, who wants to start us off on, uh, your thoughts on the Jupe launch? I mean, okay, I'll start. I, it was, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, the, the launch pool, I guess, um, uh, they, they explained it a lot in the docs and everything. I think people maybe did not look hard enough. I thought it was like a market making agreement when they had that. Like, I thought that like reserve for the LP meant like they were going to loan that out or something. Yeah, well, yeah. they did do some of that. <laughs> That's a so, they, so let me explain it. Is like they set up this pool that it was single side jupe that sold it from 40 cents to 70 cents. And then, you know, going back down, once the pool got used to see, it would like go the other way too, right? But the pre-market price we're talking about, it was trading like between 60 and 70 cents for a while. Right. So this was already, this was already setting it like pretty below that. So like this pool was getting bought up on chain in like the 40s and 50s and it was trading on centralized exchanges in like the 60 cent range at the same time which kind of showed you is kind of like weird um, but listen the the 
it's an interesting launch. I'm not a, I'm not going to give any like legal takes or anything. They managed to raise what, like one, 200 mil at like a four to 7 billion fully diluted. Like you're not going to get that. You're not going to raise that money in the private <clears throat> markets from anyone. Where, like, when are they going to pull the liquidity? They did. They pulled, well, they pulled the Jube side and now they have the USDC side acting as like a bid for people to sell into. Yeah, but doesn't that get pulled soon? It's, they're doing like 10 mil a week or something, they said. I think they, they keep changing it up. Yeah. The yeah it's at 10 mil for a few months, right? Uh, they didn't really specify the time period either. I think the issue is most of these, whenever you do these types of setups, right, in whatever flavor, LBP, LBA, the end result is, well, the source is usually from treasury and the end result is usually some form of, of kind of permanent liquidity. Um, yeah, they just pulled it. <laughs> They're just going to pull it. No, no, no. I, they I think, moved it to a normal pool, I think. They moved a bunch of... The, the latter is like less the less of the concern. I mean, uh, I think it's just like the source of the funds that, that was really antagonistic. Yeah. Like, honestly, I feel like this is what the incentives were for, for the Jube team. And just to go over it one more time, if you like, it's like a uni V3 range, basically, where they uh, deployed Jube between like 40 to 70 cents. So as people are buying into the pool, they're swapping, you know, USDC into the pool, they're getting Jube out. But that USDC like stays in the pool at the price they bought it. So they sold, I think like at the peak, it was like 200 million worth of Jupiter. But it also, it also had a 10% fee. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but now they're, they said that they're going to keep that USDC in the pool. So like people who want to like sell back into it can, and they're going to like withdraw it slowly. Some of that, I guess, is going to the team or some of it is, is going to go in, into a new pool. But um, yeah, definitely from the Jupiter team standpoint, this is probably like maximizing like the amount of money raised by taking advantage of kind of like the, the public markets. So it's if they can do it, like who knows what's going to happen like on the legal side, but from a strictly monetary standpoint, this seems like it was probably worth it. <laughs> like you're raising 200 million, uh, selling the token at a four to 7 billion valuation, which is, you know, quite high. It so. definitely sucked up though. We were talking before, like, where does the money come from? And if you look everything, everything was down like 10 to 30%. Yeah. On, on the day of the launch, because so even if you got the Jupe airdrop, you like were probably flat unless you got like a massive one. It like Pardon. on paper. Solana ran up heavily into it. Right. So you, there's just going to be, this is a pretty natural profit taking event with it both running up into the event and, and this being like a pretty climactic uh, new source of uh, or new draw of liquidity for probably for a while. But like 200 million USDC would have been like probably 10%, at least last time I checked, of the stable coins on Solana ended up in this pool, which is like, you know, pretty significant because all these things are priced at the margin, like, um, especially the altcoins. Like they can have like 100 million market cap, maybe multi 100 million or even billion FTV, but it's really kind of priced at, at the margin because they're relatively like low liquidity to to their FTVs. So like sucking out like the marginal 10% of stable coins, you know, that first day made a pretty big difference. Yeah, like everything was down, seemed like 10% across the board, but you did get a nice Solana run. Like it got down, like Solana got down to like 80 bucks or 85 or something like that. And then ran up pretty nicely uh, into the launch, which I think helped. Ran up into the outage <clears throat> too. Off the impact. And is running past the, the outage too. So like before the we... 
before we get into the into the outage it just does it not seem like a weird kind of launch type like if you wanted to maximize money raised and like enable price discovery rather than picking a range it seems like you would choose something like an auction like a, a, a dutch auction or, or or something like this and then i don't even know if you need wanna... to do any of that you that, gave that enough tokens out raised. there were enough tokens that it could have just naturally i think money raised and price discovery are two different are like two opposing um wants here to some extent like i think if you i mean we you know we mentioned this earlier the the even the 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 preview the pre-launch pricing even though that's like insignificant volume it does create some anchoring and then them kind of forcing that price i don't know what it, i don't know if a dutch auction would have caused this to go higher than 7 billion fpv so i i, I do think like they this was like they put the the ceiling at where it was and then created a pretty comfortable floor almost uh so i think this is probably like close to maximizing capital raise for them yeah, yeah you know, it's like, true that's true like trade. if they knew it was going to trade like 60 to 70 they don't totally care to all sell it at that price. They know if they started it at like 40 cents, that yeah. they would raise a bunch. To well, didn't you say that it was trading at like 60 cents on the sexes and 40 cents on chain? Yeah. That for a while? like, Or is that just like a blip? No, it was like, I don't know how long it took. The I mean, if you look at the chart on chain, it's so, it looks stupid. It's, it's like a step up for the first hour, right? As people are just yeah because you're kind of creating that illusion of the arbitrage to raise the money which they probably like launched it with these market makers this is a complete speculation but they launch it with the market makers on the centralized exchange like at 50 60 cents or whatever then start their pool at 40 cents and then it's trading at that on on the sex and then you know people are just like arbing it by buying it um on on uh, on jupiter itself so a lot of these things it's honestly like this market is so inefficient that i think a lot of these things are optics like if you create the illusion of you're getting a good deal or a good arb like capital just kind of flies in without like really thinking about it or even i guess you know understanding the docs like this this was in the docs i just don't think people really understood fully what it meant until it launched and then there's like a lot of outrage so yeah uh, yeah this market they were gonna they were this was gonna be like 20 percent at the beginning of the supply and then they ended up making it like two and a half percent so yeah. i think once I think they realized what price they were going to launch at i feel like a lot of the stuff is 80 80 20 90 10 in terms of investing it at like at, at these times where you know you just look at like one piece of information and that drives your whole val and i think one thing people are anchoring to is just comparing the uniswap volume to jupiter volume and then just doing the fdv comp and saying all right this is reasonable jupiter's <laughs> aggregator it's not even the same thing no 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 no. but but okay i have like no opinion on it it's pretty right it's pretty rich but you that's not even the right frame to think about both these things both uniswap and jupiter are the front ends of their ecosystem like that's all that matters at the end of the day in the long run that is probably where most like a lot of value will accrue to these front ends that get all the users so you can't just like uniswap uniswap in in like three years will, will the amm even be uniswap's main product like i'm not sure uh yeah well, they're not doing the rfq stuff which i think makes yeah sense. but it's not even that like they're going after full full financial service stack like they want every every part of it and they have the brand and that's where they're going and jupiter is going to be the same thing like it is jupiter really is the front end of solana i yeah. mean it is. And even you go to even something like squads, you see with the multi-sig wallet, they have the Jupiter swap right there. Uh, Lafinity like uses Jupiter as we've talked about too, right? Everybody uses Jupiter for everything. I, 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 
like trend wise and fee capture wise, more of that will like liquidity, the, the source of liquidity has the ability to capture more fees in the front end. No, uh, I, don't I don't know. I think the front end because to that liquidity, I think people it, are going to compete on because like, like you basically like Uniswap, right? Like they can put on their 30 bips fees and they didn't really lose much market share because they own the consumer. Like you're kind of owning the front end, owning the consumer. I think that's where you can play with the fees. Whereas like the consumers are like less price sensitive versus like the business kind of, you know, switching liquidity providers are, are more like cutthroat. Well, it's also because they had a majority of the liquidity. Yeah. But like, I think, I think that Uniswap V4 is going to be pretty, pretty sticky and, and dominant. Like Uni V3 is already, super dominant on chain. And then once you have hooks and like there's projects raising significant amounts of money to build strategies that are basically hooks onto, onto uni before, you know, like Sorella and, and people like this, I think it's, I think it's going to be pretty dominant. Um, it's just a different thing, right? I feel like Uniswap, the, the sort of liquidity side is like a, a headless marketplace, you know, to, to use like the Jesse's point, like it doesn't need a front end. It, people just tap into it naturally. And then they're going for also being the front end with like Uniswap X and, and all the stuff they're doing on the financial services side. Whereas Jupiter just has that, that front end side, right? To being the, the front page of Solana. And, that, and that's definitely valuable, but I don't know. It's like- But Jupiter's launching like, other tools. Like they're launching mm -hmm. like their perps. Like I yeah. think the front end is going to be the most important thing and where the value is going to accrue in DeFi, I think. I agree. I've always thought that the front ends are value crews, but the, the thing is like, you can think of wallets, uh, dashboards, like all these people could go after this, this use case, right? Just like MetaMask launched their swap aggregator. Like if Phantom launched a, a, a swap aggregator, that would effective, because that's the front end kind of before Jupiter, right? For whatever reason, the wallets haven't been able to do that. All, all the front ends are, are tapping into like the same liquidity though. So in the end, it, it, there's obviously other market dynamics at play, but I think, you know, just thinking about it in a vacuum, if the front end is charging too much in fees, someone else can come in and, and tap into that liquidity. And, and so I do think the, the liquidity owner is the one who has more control of fees. Yeah, I mean, the thing, I mean, one data point is Uniswap added their front end fee. I don't think they've seen any drop. That's what I, yeah, that's what I said. Do you know what month? I have a good dashboard for this. Maybe I don't know, but wasn't it something... Around 15 bips. It was a yeah. It was, it was 30 bips, I think. But what um? Do you know what month that happening? Because I'm looking at the front end dashboard, and like Uniswap and Uniswap X just keep going up. <laughs> like I don't see any drop off. It was 15 bips, I think. The fee. Do you know when that happened? Do you know what month that was in? I think it was October, and it was only for select pairs, as far as I know. Um, like October 2023. We talked yeah. about it on one of these episodes. Okay, so October 2023, Uniswap front end, this is from a Flashbots dashboard that we can share in the show notes, but Uniswap front end had 34.4% and Uniswap X had 2.6%. So you're looking at 37% in total. Right now, Uniswap front end has 41% and Uniswap X front end has 6.6%. So it's like, even since they added that fee in October. That's of what, sorry, of the, of the trades going through Uniswap? Yes, this is uh, by Flashbots. It's basically like the volume through front ends. And you have like Uniswap, One Inch, Matcha, DeFi Lama, you know, Curve, the Telegram bots. Uh, yeah. So just like it's basically probably most organic order flow. And like even with adding the 15 bips fee, they have like, you know, grown, grown, continue to grow their market share.
like yeah i think yeah, the front ends are, are definitely because also crypto is something where it's like super about like trust right now where like people don't want to switch like they hear of like you know rugs and hacks and stuff like if they know something works oh yeah 100 percent. Right? if they know something works and like okay they're gonna charge me an extra 20 bips when i'm trying to buy something that might go up five times or go down 50 percent the next day like i'm gonna eat the extra 20 basis points to have something i'm comfortable with and like not have to switch to you know pay five basis points now on something i'm not i don't know and like you know, get comfortable with a whole new interface versus like, you know, they're very accustomed to, to using what, what they know. I think where the front ends are going to compete is like on features, right? There's still pretty limited features on like Uniswap. I, I, yeah. I think, I think front ends capture a lot of value. It, it is also like somewhat um, fragile though, right? OpenSea was the NFT front end. You, you would never would have thought like what in, in sort of 2021, 20, you know, 2020 you never would have thought there would be a someone like blur coming in and just and just taking over and they really did that by targeting like the supply side right the the, the kind of liquidity side and i think we've seen a few of these shifts like o o over time it's like no innovation combined combined with no token is is because yeah. blur just like the the real thing that they had was the token right like obviously i'm not like the well, it's a, it is a better it is a better yeah, ux sure. for like trading but so like, kind of, you like a majority to, to almost no market share right there's obviously most situations are going to be much less drastic but i think those are the two really that that, that cause it yeah no definitely blair is a good point but I, I do think probably i don't know but you know blair is a great product but i think a lot was probably to do with the token and bringing over like tensor completely dominated kind of nowhere too yeah yeah Tensor like magic was... eden had had complete dominance yeah. on solana as well right like that was the and dude and, and they got crushed by tensor when i was wow. using tensor a year ago you had to list at like 10 percent below magic eden for anyone to notice that it was being listed there like that's how little market share they had okay and yeah. now it's it's something crazy right because it's also it just is the they have they just have like the perfect ux the perfect mm -hmm. interface for NFT. Yeah, I think Jupiter just built like a great product, right? They have like the DCA feature, like it works really well. Like it's just not easy to build a product that good. And that's why they kind of dominate right now. Um, yeah. But it anyway, also, we got, we got sidetracked. Part no, of it's also, is, is yeah, because there, there was always like early on when there wasn't much DeFi on Solana, everyone was, you know, talking about how good it still, how well it still worked, but it was more so just Solana working fast rather than like yeah. the product itself being that different than its ETH. Uh, comfortable in a point on uh OpenSea, I think also there's an opportunity for Blur not just with the token, but like OpenSea, probably like 95% of OpenSea's users just got completely wiped on NFTs when everything crashed, right? Like a lot of these NFTs just went to zero, so it's like you I mean, restart the same thing with Blur, right? Like people were actually blaming Blur for the NFT uh bear market, right? Because they make it made it like more efficient to sell and stuff like this. Like, I think yeah. people got wrecked across the board. It is like a much better product i think and yeah, everyone blamed the... everyone blamed blur for i mean the takes made no sense because you just had a false sense of reality with high floor prices and no liquidity and then when you add liquidity to the market it's like okay the true price is not 150k for a board ape like <laughs> it's probably a bit cheaper than that yeah
Yeah, and I also um, quickly on the front end point, we maybe we can save this for later for like the altcoin stuff. But like, I think the Telegram bots are actually pretty interesting on, on the front end because like they're giving like a lot of tooling to to users, and we've seen them gain a lot of market share while charging like pretty high fees. Oh, like Banana Bot, I think is pretty cool, like for sniping and limit orders and, and market orders, and they're building out like a web app, which like is going to kind of act like a trading terminal for like on chain. So I think like that area of the market, you know, if we think front ends are going to accrue a lot of value could, could be an interesting one to look at. I've gone back and forth on telegram bots. What, what's the, uh, what's well, the initially like the main and main use case still remains the sniping side. Right. And, and because most people aren't trading from their, uh, like when you're on your desktop, you're not sending messages to a telegram bot to buy and sell assets typically. Yeah, so like it, it, it's it, there's a, like a weird gap of of kind of user demographic where you know if you're at your you're kind of targeting mobile users that want DeFi. Yeah, but I think they're they're building up these web apps, which I think are going to be pretty cool and like better than like Uniswap or One Inch or Matcha in in their current form, like in terms of functionality. How do these actually? Okay, here I don't I don't use these because they're not really secure enough for my own like anxiety or whatever but how do i've never understood how if a lot of people are using these there's actually any alpha in like the sniping it's a, a gas war the sniping yeah so like it, it it worked well at first but now it's just basically blind submissions for gas to try and get ahead of someone else and it can be expensive if you're wrong but like banana bot is really dominant in the sniping they're winning like 90 something like 85 or 90 percent of the first like top of block bundles because they have like the best tooling for it. So like everyone on banana is like putting in their kind of minor tip to, to kind of get priority and then it bundles everything together and they've been winning like 90% or something like crazy high like that of the first bundles. How big of a market, like sniping just isn't like that massive of a market by design. Well, yeah. banana has been doing like, you know, 10 to 20 million in volume over the past, like, Few weeks but they're charging like 50 bips on regular swaps and then a one percent on sniping so it's like it's not nothing for sure yeah i i agree it's not nothing i just i'm more so you know thinking about how much bigger it can get without yeah well i think that's that's where the web apps come in like right now i agree like the telegram use case is like very niche um like for the sniping and also like you know maybe some people who, who want to be trading on their phone or, or kind of like have access all the time. But I think the web apps are really cool where you would have like <clears throat> basically like a sex like interface, but like on, on the deck. So it's like shows all your coins there in your wallet. Like you can do limit orders, you can do DCA, you can do market orders. You also have the sniping functionality, you know, they can integrate like the coin gecko type information in there. So like, <clears throat> it's also your, it just becomes like the on-chain trading terminal. Which yeah, I think then, like, like the whole front end things, you know, that they're competing with. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's gone full circle on that front. Yeah, so I think that how they actually compete with them is like more features, right? Because like you're only going to move front ends. Like I don't think people are going to be sensitive enough to move front ends for like a few basis points, but I think they will move for like a whole new product suite. But obviously, that's going to cause a war within itself. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like two interesting things about it, other than the the sniping. The first one is just this idea of being closer to where the alpha is that you make like investment decisions based on, 
right? Like you're, if you're in a group and you hear about a coin, you can kind of like on, on Telegram, which is probably where a lot of the, a lot of the alpha is happening or Discord, you can kind of move to buy it like straight away with very little friction. You don't have to open an app. If you're on your phone, especially it's way less annoying and, and that's part of it. But I think when you start developing web apps and stuff, like Leon said, you end up going full circle, right? And that, that advantage isn't really there anymore. And the, the second thing I think that's interesting is like the chat UX. Like I, I do think there's something nice about that. And especially as, as crypto gets more complex and like bridging and stuff like this, I do think someone will nail like uh, a, a chat sort of like interaction UX where it's like, you know, bridge my coins to, to Neutron and like buy this coin or, or whatever, rather yeah. than you having to actually like go interact with a bunch of different front ends to do this. It just like sources the route for you and then you, you like approve a transaction to do it. And yeah, I'm excited to see like more people kind of like experiment with that. There's definitely yeah. some AI chat. The functionality is, is pretty zero to one, right? But it doesn't like no one's really anywhere close to that yet. Well, there's a lot of people working on it with like this awesome yeah. stuff because like it can be human readable. Like, hey, do this, and then if they have their their custom GPT, then they can uh, try and like it's still early stages, but yeah, that will definitely exist. Yeah, and that sort of like goes against the 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 front ends being dominant point, right? Because in a world with AI where a lot of, and, and I think like in a world with AI, a lot more stuff moves to to a chat-like UI. Like obviously you'll still need, like front ends are still very useful for a lot of types of interactions. But if if we do move to like uh, a more chat-based world, then like you'd imagine wherever users are, they'll just have that UI available rather than there being a specific front end that you go to to do everything. But yeah, anyway, I think that'll be definitely- Okay. Yeah, we'll move on. But I think that'll definitely be dominant for like the casual user, but like people who like want like the trading terminal like feel and like lots of information at once, like you can't really do that through a chatbot, but for casual users for sure. Yeah, well, we can move on. I just thought the front end point was really interesting. And there's like a lot of kind of projects, you know, competing in, in the space. So it's worth talking about. For sure. I mean, I think this is where like wallets and dashboards are, are pretty undervalued uh, in that they, they have like a lot of users and they are the the, the, the like frontest of the front ends, right? Like, like the first interaction yeah. of most people with, with crypto, they just haven't like been able to really build out like a compelling product suite around that yet. But mm-hmm. I think it'll happen. But anyway, no, no, I just, one, one, one last right, as as to a front end. It's like the wallet is no longer relevant, right? Like the, the, the you, you know what I mean? The, the moat it's generated, I think isn't really anywhere near strong because, and, and it's part of their design is they want to be as easily integratable as possible. So I think it's, it's a tricky spot at the same time. Yeah. I think there's, <clears throat> there's like good odds that front ends and solvers is basically what captures most <clears throat> value eventually. And yeah, solvers are just market makers uh, for the most part. Yeah. Just, yeah, maybe not great. <laughs> Solvers, yeah, like front end, and then instead of having our liquidity pools, we're just gonna get whatever market maker to quote you. The, but the, you can also have an app that has. I don't see how that's like. It's it's the status quo is that plus, but worse, right? Like market makers, the big market makers have like special relationships with the centralized exchanges. They have like zero fee accounts and stuff, so they can trade this stuff back and forth. Like the the solver meta is at least like a level playing field. Right. Yeah. So also, also, just game. the solver too can be like an app can have its own app specific like solving algorithm that it owns in like a proprietary way. So, doesn't have to be necessarily like market maker. But let's move on to uh, 
Are we talking about the Solana outage? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to give some some context on, on what happened? The client? Yeah, button? so... And maybe like compared um, to the last ones, right? Which were, which were, yeah. Well, the last one, the last one I think was kind of a bug too. So historically, most of the Solana outages had to do with like NFT mints and spamming the chain. And there were so many inbound spam transactions at once that it kind of overloaded validators. Uh, the last couple ones have been client bugs. And so this latest one was a bug that got introduced in a new upgrade uh, a couple of weeks ago. And apparently it was actually found on testnet, uh, but the mainnet fix had not been deployed yet. And so speculation is someone just decided to manually uh, halt the chain because <laughs> they knew about this bug that was on testnet. But, but yeah, so that was around like five Eastern or something. And then two hours after that, they decided to do a full restart. And then three hours after that, it was back up. So it was like five hours from down to up, three hours from when they decided restart to up. So, I mean, uh, what's that meme where it's like, we're getting exceedingly efficient at this. <laughs> it's like, they're getting pretty good at the at the, at the the chain restarts, um, like the validator coordination. But so... So it's in. So let's say, okay, let's see how the mar- the market like didn't really care. Okay, it went they down did it at the worst. Like yeah. if this was a malicious like try and halt the chain and short it, it's like picking five AM EST is like probably the worst time you could have done. Yeah, if, if they were like actually trying to do something malicious. And so so like, here's what I'll say about these like outages. I think the fact that, um, like. Solana did not lose any users after this. Tells you a lot about retail liking to use the chain. And, you know, Solana has something that no other ecosystem has right now. People like to use it. At the same time, uh, you know, you're never going to have, you can't have a super vibrant DeFi ecosystem handling like billions of dollars if you have liveness failures, right? They're kind of like a, I, I, you know, I, I understand the decision to prioritize like safety over liveness, but for DeFi, liveness is kind of safety at the same time. Um, it's not like purely a computer science problem you're dealing with anymore. It, you, cause you have all this, these other repercussions and let's face it, all the outages for the most part have come in kind of like low volatile periods. This last one was the most dead you could possibly think of. The Americans woke up and it was back on. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. there's, there's, listen, you, one of these days, it's probably going to lead to a pretty bad DeFi day because it's going to go down. And then, you know, Putin's going to launch some nuke or something at the same time. <laughs> and like, there's other factors that come into play of the timing of it that yeah. it's not a good like situation. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, the, the it's less the there's a little bit of like level yeah. setting, right? Because before there wasn't really any DeFi, so that like the the notional the VAR right was pretty low. Whereas as this as DeFi picks up, you don't really need much of a move for there to be a lot of value lost. Yeah, and so I mean, yeah, oh, it's, so, it is worth like contextualizing though it's a little bit where like every every chain has liveness issues other than like ethel one, right? Like yeah. Cosmos chains have uh, liveness issues. Like definitely there's been, there's been a couple of, of outages since the last Solana one um, across like a lot of the major Cosmos chains. 
L2s have outages, right? Arbitrum went down in, in, in December because they got the sequencer got, got overloaded. Like every chain other than ethel one has had has had outages. It's just that Solana has the most users and the most eyes on it and, and obviously like uh, has a history of this stuff. So so it gets targeted the most. But I do think it's worth putting that yeah. like, like this is in. Yeah, there's something I was saying a year ago, like people need are gonna have to start getting more comfortable with liveness failures because they are gonna happen more and more. And you know, since L2s are so centralized, it actually makes them having liveness failures not as bad because it's a lot easier for them to get restarted up quickly. You don't have to coordinate, like in Solana, you don't have to coordinate with all these validators and get 80% stake agreed on something. When you have the L2 with one sequencer, as soon as you fix the bug, it's like, okay, let's get back at it, right? But this is something with, with, with Solana that they have the single client, right? Just like Tenderman chains have a single client. These bugs are going to happen. Like they have to be in your um, like risk framework or whatever. And so I know Solana has a lot of clients. Obviously, they've got Firedancer. They've also got this other one called Zig or Zug. There's another client coming. And so the theory is that, I mean, in a perfect world, you would have four clients and everyone running 25%. And so if one of them has a bug like this, the network can still continue. That's like the ideal world. In reality, we know that's not going to happen. Like even on Ethereum today, 80 over 80% run Geth as the execution client. So if there's like a bad Geth bug, like that's pretty bad. And so what like the theory on Solana is, is okay, everybody's going to run Firedancer because it's more performant, but we'll also run like another client in the background that kind of lags behind. And so if there's like some big bug in Firedancer, everyone can kind of like pick up with the behind client. And so I'm, uh, this is like a, a, a theory, okay? Uh, I don't know what that handoff would be, especially if one client is a lot less performing as well. Like do fees just spike on the chain like pretty quickly because now you have a lot less throughput? Um, are you actually able to do that handoff cleanly without, you know, something happening? I don't know. But that's kind of the um, like thinking right now on how to fix these liveness issues in the future. Yeah, I mean the market didn't really care, right? Like, I had a poll. I had a poll during the outage. Okay, this is during the outage, and I said. Soul ETH is 0.04 right now. Will it be higher or lower in three months? And higher was the majority vote. Can you imagine if this happened in July and Soul ETH was 0.01? Okay, so like 75% lower. And I did that same poll on 0.01. Majority would say lower, 100%, right? And so the timing of the outage is good that it happened after like Solana kind of came back. From the dead right like path dependency matters so much that if this happened before like the ftx estate all that stuff right when everyone was scared about that and so yeah yeah, yeah i think a lot of people waiting for a dip and and if this didn't if this didn't cause it then it's you kind of need a broader market pullback in order to get it yeah setters is always other- awake 5 a.m est he hears solana's down he instantly wakes up and it totally slept through the whole thing he didn't even he woke up and it was already back <laughs> there you go it's decentralized yeah so not much not too much more to say about that do we want to go into eth narratives and especially like the eigenlayer 
and restaking points meta? Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about points, but like yeah, what I, are the things people are looking at right now? I think the two main ones are Eigenlayer restaking. And then today we got an official uh launch date for 4844, which is the new uh fee market where rollups can post blobs instead of call data. And so this is like a separate fee market for rollups. It's supposed to be a lot cheaper for them to, you know, post their data. It's there's like a lot of hand wavy people will say like 10 to 100 X cheaper. Um, there's no real, there's too many variables at play to know like how much cheaper this is actually going to end up being for rollups. And uh, also like if a lot just start deploying here, it'll get saturated pretty quick, which is like not a bad thing. Obviously you're facilitating more demand, but it doesn't necessarily mean that fees are going to be a lot cheaper, but this is important because we've seen a lot of rollups start to move from Ethereum DA to things like Celestia, Eigen DA is coming soon. Avail is coming soon. You know, Arbitrum has their any trust data availability committees. And so it is important timing in this whole narrative of like DA and the optimal kind of like roll-up construction. So I imagine you'll see a lot of people talking the next month about ETH, ETH beta, just with like restaking is a big narrative. The EA 4844 is a big narrative. Blast unlock, when, like, whenever that happens, it's like a big Blast narrative. is end of February right now. So it's, okay. it's kind of like the precursor, right? Yeah. And all those people that put in Blast are, are decently ETH maxi. So yeah, like it's not a scenario where they leave the ecosystem. It's probably one where they just continue restaking into, into like these kind of these or dial into ETH beta with all the kind of additional catalysts behind it. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good month for some like on chain stuff. Like, I feel like a lot of like the on chain, like kind of like small or mid cap stuff has kind of moved over to Solana recently. ETH's like died down a lot. I think like the like uh, Eigenlayer and Blast have definitely taken like liquidity out of <clears throat> out of the market for ETH. So like, you know, Blast getting unlocked, coming back. Also, I'm doing like an airdrop, like hopefully it just kind of gets the, the velocity of money up more on, on EVM a bit, which I think we, we should see some action, which is nice. And so then you kind of, yeah, that'd be on. No, I was gonna say, so like, you know, we talked about how the FDB stuff is, is a bit of a money suck. Uh, I think this has the potential to do that later on but in the beginning it'll be more of a like a, a vacuum but in, in, a, in a bullish way right it'll i think attract a lot of existing kind of eth and, and other liquidity and then you you're going to create you know like blast is going to try and basically recreate all of their own uh ecosystem projects and and so you have a fresh set of incentives for all of that and it's all going to be looped and gamified so i think you're going to have you know a, a, a very reflexive kind of period but you, you yeah. know you, it, it always yeah. the more reflective it is the, the harder the unwind and so <laughs> yeah. it, it can prove to be like pretty bad in the end but i think yeah. as much as much as i think blast is like a total abomination it is going to have i can just imagine the craziest stuff on that chain and so i totally expect a lot of people to not even care about any security properties or anything now and stuff's launching there like not super audited <laughs> yeah yeah so that i think will be good for for evm in the short term and if like the broader market holds up throughout the next couple of months and like tech stocks are ripping and bitcoin's bouncing really nicely so 
like if that holds up i think you could get some some good activity but yeah i think like right or the past few months the activity's mostly been on like kind of these solana like on-chain stuff and then you know on their on your celestias or, or says or series where it's like you know you have like potential for like multi-x's on kind of these like massive chains rather than you know in the kind of ethereum like small to, to mid cap like more on chain centric stuff so i think they'll probably be like kind of a rotation back to to like I mean, on ETH. celestia is just staking right that's a cosmos chain that's what cosmos chains are always that's always the narrative yeah but i think like staking. when you have like the solana like casino running and then kind of these like large caps like you know during like two three four five axes that you can like trade on leverage then it makes the like eth kind of like that that area of like you know like 100 mil to like a or like a billion like sub a billion cap on eth that's like DeFi or kind of different on-chain plays like less attractive especially as like liquidity is leaving to you know solana or getting locked in blast or dragon later so if that kind of starts coming back i think there there could be a decent rotation there all else equal like the market equal and stuff but yeah yeah do we think eigenlayer is going to be like yeah what, what do you think the eigenlayer launch is going to be like like how, and how how's everyone playing i guess their eth right now like i guess you bullish eigenlayer points and and or or you locking in like fixed yields right now like well yeah what, what does everyone think on that side i don't really know like what are they what are they launch like Dagen DAs, what's coming first, right? Uh, I mean, the the liquid restaking stuff, it kind of reminds me of when people were making all these index tokens of LSTs a year ago. And it's just new tokens on top of other tokens to get to like print more incentives. And so I do think that like liquid restaking tokens will be pretty popular. Um, they're also quite dangerous overall, but I do think they'll be pretty popular. But at this point, it's like, nobody everyone is just getting points because it's like what else is there to do with ETH? there's nothing to do with ETH these days besides restaking right and so because there's no there's no me there's no trading activity or anything right it's all moved so what are you going to do you're going to restake it right and everyone is kind of just going into the liquid restaking protocols to get you know new tokens from those protocols and everything yeah so i don't know i don't have like strong takes on it i mean yeah yeah like i think that there's definitely an a window of opportunity where like this stuff goes crazy but like as yana's saying it's like very reflexive so like it goes crazy to the upside and then you know it crashes to Once the downside it's just like and and price is ripped a lot it's like ah it's not really gonna you kind of want to be the one of the earlier ones running for the door to some extent yeah and then you have this and i know i've like brought up this point a bunch of times but i think it's an important one to just be aware of like obviously you know this isn't happening right now but as more and more of these infra plays come out with like massive fdvs and like small circulating caps there's going to be a time where like the tide shifts on this stuff like dimension just launched again like one billion dollar circs seven billion dollar fdv you know jupiter uh launched you know 700k or 700 million circ you know five billion fdv wormhole just announced their token they're trading at like a five or six billion fdv on the pre-market i think that's just in the past two weeks like you have blast coming out you have eigenlayer <laughs> like this is some that, that we've been talking about and already like 
you know, Celestia, which is like tens of billions of, of tokens to be unlocked. Same with Optimism, Arbitrum, like so, like say, Sue, like so many of these yeah, it's, unlocks, like it's literally like 50, maybe a hundred billion dollars of unlocks coming, you know, yeah. over the next few years. And that is like going to be a massive liquidity suck on the ecosystem at some point as like everyone's up so much on their investments and like, you know, VCs and teams are selling. So it's just something to be aware of in the background. It's not happening like tomorrow, but that eventually, like there's going to be a time where a lot of this stuff is probably going to be down 80, 90%. I think the setup is also, you know, you have a lot of bullish catalysts in the next few months, right? With, with um, uh, Blast, Eigen, 44.4, the halving, I think an ETF flows have, have kind of reversed um, to, to being, you know, somewhat decently positive. So you're going to have this massive run up and it, it's, I think the, and this isn't, you know, completely fine, but I think like one initial soft deadline is going to be the first unlock of the, the first massive, uh, like 10 figure FDV. Well, yeah, so, here, Arbitrum's in March. Yeah, Ar Arbitrum, yeah, Arbitrum is a big one, but like, uh, uh, like it doesn't really, there's not too many on, on the ETH side. I think it's it's more of the, the new ones that are coming out that have. SWE has a pretty big one in, in May. It's like yeah. a, couple, a couple billion unlock. Yeah, it's just like, who is going to, like, when they create, when they launch this thing, let's say at a $1 billion circulating and like a $10 billion FDV, it's like, you know, they're launching it with the market maker to like, you know, they maybe hype up the pre-market like we've seen with like Jupe and Dimension, not saying like the teams have done that, but like people are kind of like hyping up the price and people anchor their perceptions. It launches at around that price with not that much float and there's like enough hype and like anchoring that like people will come in and buy it and kind of support you know the, the one billion dollar FTV or sorry the one billion dollar circulating cap and like it's not even that much volume a lot of times like on on that circulating cap and then like the amount of liquidity it takes to support that versus when like the real unlocks of like one-way flow of selling start coming out from like you know team or, or vcs is just like literally hundreds of millions, not billions of dollars of like it depends, right? Offsetting flows. Yeah, it depends how the token's set up, but yeah, is like Shui is not not too bad because they they raised at the peak of the of the bull, and I'm I'm pretty sure they raised at like a a B or, or multi B valuation, and there's a few others like that. There's there's and they and they bought back there. and they had a killer trade with the FTX estate. Yeah, exactly. They bought back, back the Alameda. Companies allocation yeah these are all like these are a lot of these are very different from each other i think there's like a few factors that kind of weigh into it if you wanted to do a better analysis it would be like how many previous i mean obviously the team out like the, the the team allocation is important investor allocation but then how many rounds have been done previously and what's sort of like the unrealized gain that these people are, are sitting on in, in in like dollar terms and then also just like secondary volume right because i mean solana was was a famous one right with uh SBFs, sell me all you can, then, then go fuck off thing. Uh, yeah, the unlock, everyone thought it was going to be bearish. Huh? It doesn't really happen as much anymore. Uh, I mean, people are selling, but like uh, with Solana, they were doing a lot of restaggering of unlocks, which helped, right? And, and that, that I think was one of the big things the market didn't price in, uh, which you're not really yeah. seeing adjustments to unlocks anymore. But you no, are. But you're seeing some of these things trade meaningful, meaningfully on secondaries, right? Where the, the, the cost basis resets and that, that matters a lot, but it's hard to get good data on this.
Um, it's just when you look at some of the seed rounds, right? Like you can kind of get a feel for how heavy, how heavy this stuff is. Also yeah, just, there's definitely supporting the like sometimes also, I think, you know, when the whole market is running, I think it, it gets also really difficult as a holder to justify. So like Jupe, for example, right? I mean, when if the whole market is is gradually trending higher, how much you know upside do you really think there is in in in, in, in not to pick on Jupiter just because we're talking about it now and it, and it has a you know pretty high FTV. It's 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 like it, I, I sometimes it's hard to see. I think that's why meme coins do well, right? Because you have these like insane ceilings. Whereas you know, like, am I really going to hold something at, at a pretty rich valve for not that much upside? And and so, like, yeah. That's going to be that's like the other tricky element for me is, is you know who is really comfortable holding these when everything else is doing a lot better yeah it's just like i feel like we're accelerating into the point where it's like okay you know there was some of these in, in 2021 but like we're accelerating and even like going back to 2017 like eos and stuff where they raised like insane amount of money and like these absurd valuations but like now you're getting to the point where it's accelerating and it's like we've had two launches and or three launches basically in the past two weeks of like <laughs> jupe six billion dimension seven billion wormhole hasn't launched yet but the pre-market string at six billion it's like that's like three in the last two weeks it's like it's starting to accelerate because people have like caught on like the highest ev thing in the world right now is to get a group of developers get some good marketing people raise from some good vcs and launch a multi-billion I mean, but none of that's happening now though like all, all the stuff yeah, the people who are launching now are people who built through a brutal bear market. Like, and, this has and, like, been race. true for like seven years, so it's like it's no. starting to accelerate. Well, I mean, if you're in crypto pivot to AI, like the, the, this was like a, a a brutal bear market where most people, like a lot of people, threw in the towel. Like no one was raising money then. Like uh, a lot of yeah, like I don't know, you, the people that are capitalizing on this now definitely. Yeah, maybe they started in 2021, like when they first saw, saw it get crazy, like a three-year cycle, three-year lag, two to three-year lag? I mean, if you timed it perfectly, you could kind of come in and do a project raise and then, yeah. But you, you still have to have to like live through, uh, you know, Luna FTX, like the-, the, the For sure, but I'm just saying like, it's like over the past like few years, this trade, I feel like has been in like rewarded <laughs> insanely. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're literally minting like, Hundred millionaires on on paper, <laughs> it's like from from this like in in team tokens from like a project that takes like you know a few years to to do. I do think that this also could be why like ETH could be a late cycle asset uh, because as all the unlocks come through, people start to sell a lot of those into like ETH if they want to just maintain like market exposure. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough, right? Because it's like where is this money coming from and then where does it go like i think a lot of it's coming from the ecosystem and a lot of it's going to vcs and like founders who are like i don't think they're gonna like re necessarily redeploy all of it like i think it's yeah, yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying so for a while. like uh, you know it's, it's not really real gains yet for a lot of this stuff for sure no of course not because like there's no way that the market could handle if everyone just started selling these right now there's just not enough liquidity in the market to handle this but like that's why I'm saying like at some point it's going to turn and it's like these things are going to be down like 50, yeah, plus, the 70, one, 70, 80 percent. The one thing I'll say with this is that airdrops at least give retail the first chance at locking in gains. Right. So if you 
if like you you don't like the kind of the mechanics of how this works and everything and you think they're going to be down only with all the unlocks the first people that can sell are people who got free tokens right yeah but it's also like a lot of simplers too simplers who have like <laughs> insane infrastructure for like um the guy on twitter i think evan has had some good tweets about this like he's been tweeting about like celestia and, and jato yeah. the past like 48 hours just like saying like okay if this was like the top wallet this is how many tokens they got and then if they spread it a, across like a hundred wallets or a thousand wallets they would have got like fifty thousand times more yeah, you're optimizing with full information right like you, you when you're doing it ahead of time you have no idea what the thresholds are and yeah to... well yeah like who knows how much of this I has mean, like been leaked just maybe throw something in like did you guys read that travis quinn post about like none of this like the, the the sort of more how this cycle is a bit more brazen in that there's more of an admission that like some of this stuff doesn't do anything and is, and is never going to do anything it was obviously a pretty negative post and i guess he's been kind of jaded for, for for a little while but i resonate with with uh with the sentiment of it at least from from my experience in previous cycles it seems like now um there, there's just more like infra where it's extremely clear that it's like capitalizing on a narrative and it doesn't really make sense fundamentally. And, and obviously like meme coins and all this stuff, like it's, it's a bit of a like financial dystopia, like a, you know, a result of people, a bit of a financial, financial dystopia. Whereas in previous yeah. cycles, I feel like the things that succeeded, like kind of made, they had like fundamental narratives that made sense, right? Like Thorchain had, had a, had a use case that, that made sense. Like the, the, the file coins of this world, the, there was like a, a a narrative behind them that kind of made sense where some of this stuff now um just just makes less sense yeah because that's what the, the market's rewarding like yeah, that's yeah. What the rewarding like eventually the market or whoever's bidding up these things will run out of money because it's ridiculous and they're just getting constantly dumped on and eventually those people will run out of money and the market will become more efficient and then the market won't reward this stuff anymore but yeah i think it's like yeah it's, it's all still on the way up so you have price discovery so people keep bidding whereas kind of the stuff that was previously built reached some level of ceiling because there's you know either a, a fundamental way to kind of value it or or, or some other reason and, and so that the, yeah that's it's been yeah it's, it's like speculation ends up being the, the primary kind of driver of, of all of this stuff and and because a lot of this stuff is just still going up it, money keeps flowing there yeah there there are some like new apps that i mean drip house is cool Podcaster has been getting buzz. I do think deep in we will see some. I know it's like a meme word. I do think there'll be like some real stuff that comes out of that. But but to your point, like yeah, it we have, you know, at the end of 2020, we wrote our year ahead and we said it's gonna be a big year for infra because we don't have the right infra to scale. And so now it's like, okay, we don't need more. much more infra. Uh, and so, but these things go in cycles between infra app, like the big app was DeFi, right? But DeFi is really just backend. It's not front facing uh, like tech. It needs to be backend. And so now we need to get, we had the backend figured out. Now we need to get these like front end applications. So. Yeah, no. And I definitely like, don't want it to be all like we're bearish. It's just like where we are in the market right now. It's where the incentives are. I definitely think we could do an episode on like, you know, positive use cases and interesting applications. I've been listening to recently, like uh, Balaji just posted like maybe 10 days ago, his like network state podcast. He just posted 10 episodes. A bunch of them are on crypto. It's actually like 
you know, if you want some good hopium about, about the future and how yeah, crypto really bullish on network states. I mean, there's yeah. still a lot of narratives that, I, that I'm really bullish on. I just, I just mean sort of like the stuff that's being rewarded, like you said. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is, is and, and, and then there's like the people that see it being rewarded and go to build the same things. And, and there's like a lot of people front running the meta like, oh, I'm on this alt L1 and like there's literally nothing here, but this thing's trading at multi-billion dollars. So uh, I'm going to build like, I'm going to do an NFT collection or an NFT marketplace because it's the only beta on the L1 and, and you know, like be these games being played, which is just, and, and then people fund it and like, it, it kind of becomes reflexive and that's a bit of a shame, but yeah, I think we should, we could definitely do a, an episode on, I think we will actually like on a week where we don't have as much to talk about, do the one on narratives where we just cover like the main crypto narratives, which ones we're, we're excited about, but network states, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening. Like, uh, yeah, well, yeah we, we, let's talk about it on a future episode. But we've been on this for a while. I want to move to Altcoin Corner if people have stuff to cover. I know Ceteris, uh is uh, doesn't like it. He's You can give your little highbrow uh, <laughs> snooty rant about, about how you don't approve of this as the, as the head of our institutional research arm. But uh, the people have spoken and they demand alpha. So we're going to go quick Altcoin Corner and then, and then call it. Who wants to start? I mean, Duncan, you dressed up for this one, so maybe you want to... Yeah, Synapse sweater on and uh, the mug. And then also I'm wearing the sweatpants, but I'm not going to show you guys that. Um, because this is kind of... Uh, like, what just shows is, like, kind of these new coins being rewarded with these, like, high FTVs, but Wormhole is, like, on hyper... Hyperliquid, I think, is trading pre-market at, like, 5.7 billion, which is, like, insane. And uh, Synapse, one of my longtime holdings, is doing so. In the past seven days, Wormhole's done set or Portal by Wormhole's done seventy-one million in volume, and Synapse done four hundred sixty million in volume, and yet Synapse trading like one hundred thirty million market cap. So it's like you know thirty-five x difference, and it's it's doing five times the amount of volume in the past seven days as a bridge, and they also have the vision of like. Um, like the, the the center chain and like connecting these like uh, these different roll-ups and EVM stuff, et cetera. So I don't want you to grill me on it because I couldn't explain how it works. But it, I think it's a very similar vision. And, uh, you know, the, the team at Tenabs is obviously really smart, but it's just like a, goes to show kind of a product with like a lot of users and a lot of usage at like 130 mil. Yeah, I mean, Bridges is an interesting one, right? Because you had... Layer zero, I think, raised and by the way, we're, we're investors in, in in layer zero, but they they raised the last round at, at three bill in like 2021, and obviously since then, I think it's 2021 or 2022, since then have had a lot of uh, a lot of progress, and then I think Wormhole also raised the last round at like two and a half or something like this, and and like the the actual bridges that are that are trading on public markets are are trading well below this, right? Like Axelar, which is uh, doing really well in fundamentals, is trading at like one bill or so. And then Synapse has obviously been crushed, <laughs> trading like 100 mil or something like this. So it'll be interesting if there is like a a repricing um, once the once these 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 other bridges launch, which are obviously going to be like huge launches. I think Wormhole and Layer Zero are both like awesome teams, been executing for a while. Will be will be big launches. But yeah, Jan, I know you have some some altcoins too. You wanted to to cover or do you? No, I was basically gonna. I think like ETH beta is a good setup. Um, going into a lot of these unlocks synapse can move the money around from all these chains 
They just launched their RFQ bridging, which is basically like listen, man. This is what I'll say about ETH beta of hundred K between chains. Ethan, Ethan, ETH beta. You have all these narratives. You had a fucking Solana outage. This is the time when to like kind of make the move, right? Cetera's no one cares about the Solana outage though. Apparently not. It's already above the soul the soul ETH ratio is already above where it was when it went out. So yeah, right. no, I mean, you want to go more specific? Right. You want to talk about your roll beta or anything else as well? Still the fundamentally cheapest protocol in the space. If the revenues are they, if the if the revenues are real, yeah. The market seems to be pricing in that the revenues are definitely not real, which is weird. I think it's more it's more about the market. Sorry. How the market values buy and burn versus uh, a rev share model where, where buy and burn just takes is a much longer time horizon uh, value accrual system versus yield repricing much more uh, near term because you know there's an actual yield and and, and so somebody will, will bid it up to some market equivalent yield whereas buy and burn is just you kind of hold until it's supply and demand but you have some you know assistance on the demand side but I think you know it, it's basically over a longer time horizon buy and burn leads to a higher value but over shorter time horizons yield does and then i think you discount buy and burn more based on kind of going concern right because if, if the if the value doesn't accrue until far out and and you have going concern around the project then you discount the present value even more and so i think that's kind of what's happening at the moment but yeah the business itself is still burning two percent of supply a month so pretty nuts <clears throat> yeah one one thing You've been seeing this on Twitter a lot of like the, the Dimension airdrop, right? They gave a bunch to like Pudgy Penguins, <clears throat> uh, Mad Lads, Bad Kids, and I own all these disclosure. But I think you're, you, it seems like this is a new narrative that is starting to pick up that people think that NFT communities are going to be targeted in airdrops more. Because um, <clears throat> it's somewhat less, it's somewhat harder to Sybil, I guess, because you actually have to like put up meaningful capital to get these things. And I think like, you know, you've seen bad kid, bad kids like double in the last week and pudgies go up again and everyone's talking about, you know, are pudgies going to get like layer zero or drop and all this. So I think this is a bit of a narrative shift or like NFTs. I think like, yeah, the, the targeting them sort of deal. Now, maybe this is just made up by the NFT communities because all these people want free tokens. So, like, whenever I see the... Airdrop to us. Whenever, yeah, I, see the, uh, you. whenever yeah. I see the pudgy guys and they're like, airdrop to us because, like, we're going to diamond hand. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're also, like, I guess in the cycle of large projects doing airdrops, we're, we're, we're a decent chunk of the way through. There's not that many left. We'll blast and probably eigenlayer to the... It's going to stay within blast. Anoma, Wormhole, Layer Zero. There's, there's, there's a few. Yeah, there's five that'll launch in multi-billion dollar FTVs. Yeah, let's yeah. wrap it. It was a long one. All right, guys. Thanks very much for tuning in for one more to one more episode of the Hive Mind. And see you again in two weeks. Bye.